You're listening to Autism Thinks, hosted by the New Jersey Autism Center of Excellence. It's Hannah here, and today we're delving back into Dr. Daniel Moreno de Luca's story. He's a genomic psychiatrist for children, adolescents, and adults, as well as an assistant professor of psychiatry and human behavior at Brown University. What's more, he's also a talented musician. I think there's something very rewarding and unique of just keeping your your mind focused on something and little by little chipping away. Once you've done that enough, you, you turn around and you see that you've actually moved forward quite a bit. Like there, there's always a chance to do more and you, you can't really lose if you don't give up by continuing to do what, what you want to do. Perseverance and drive are two things that Dr. Moreno de Luca says are really important in being successful in pursuing his field. In order to learn more about his journey to a physician scientist, we've got to start from the beginning, all the way back to the country of Colombia. I'm originally from Colombia, as you might be able to tell from my accent. I went to medical school there in Colombia. And for the longest time, I was torn between a couple of specialties. Like I really liked psychiatry, but I also really liked medical genetics. And then I discovered this field of psychiatric genetics, which was a perfect merge of those two fields. Uh, So I started to pursue that ever since I, I discovered that field. Next up on his journey is to Europe in Italy. There he researched about the role of genetics, particularly X inactivation in autism. Right after finishing medical school, I felt compelled to see what Italy was about and just learn the language and spend some time there. So I applied for a short research fellowship at the University of Bologna with Elena Maestrini. And I find that there's always a good academic excuse to travel and to go uh, to cool places. Uh, So that was a fantastic opportunity. I spent several months uh, working there uh, on the genetics of autism, specifically looking at the role of X inactivation in, in autism. When you travel to different areas of the globe, you're exposed to different languages, ways of living, and educational systems. He talks about how he continued his studies and training in France as well. But that allowed me to learn the language, to get sort of reacquainted with some of those roots of my personal story that I just didn't know about except hearing from my mom and my grandmother. And I discovered that one of my favorite things to do is also to learn different languages. Again, it's easier for people who speak Spanish as their native language to learn other languages like Italian and French. So after my time there, I knew that I wanted to continue traveling. And at that point, I decided to spend some time in Paris. So I went to Paris 
five, which is also called the Pierre and Marie Curie University. Um, that's part of the now part of the Sorbonne universities. And I did a master's in neuroscience there. So again, focusing mostly on the genetics of autism, especially the rare genetic causes uh, of autism. And that was a really rewarding experience because I, I have taken some French in high school, uh, but I got a chance to really uh, polish my French over there. Uh, it was fantastic. Like you could see Notre Dame on the same river from the lab where we were pipetting things in there. And it got me acquainted not only with the language, but with a new way of living in a new country. And then he traveled to the United States for a postdoctoral fellowship in neurogenetics, bridging clinical care and cutting edge research. And at that point, I knew that I wanted to do my clinical specialty and subspecialty training here in the US. So I was faced with the decision of whether I stayed in France for a PhD in, uh, in genetics and neuroscience, or whether I would come to the US for a postdoctoral fellowship in, in the same area. Now, because MD or medical doctor is a terminal degree, I was eligible to do a postdoctoral fellowship. Yeah, and I decided to do that and to come to the US because I felt that that would allow me to get a little bit of a steadier footing uh, as I prepared for my clinical specialty here. So then I went to Emory University in, our, in Atlanta, where I did a postdoctoral fellowship in neurogenetics with uh, David Ledbetter and Krista Martin. Again, focusing on what I was already working on with Catalina Betancourt in, in France, but expanding a little bit beyond that. I was in the middle of a, of a fantastic and very large medical genetics department that brought together both clinical care and research. So we would be able to discuss cases with the medical geneticists there, but also be part of cutting edge research on rare genetics of autism and developmental disabilities and leveraging clinically acquired genetic data to try to understand a little bit better what the genetic component of autism was. We were, people are getting tested because of all sorts of clinical indications. Uh, they're getting their genetic testing. So we were able to leverage those resources to identify associations of specific genetic changes with autism. And then throughout that time, I was doing everything that you need to do to validate your medical degree here in the US, which as you may know involves a lot of tests. They're called the USMLE steps or boards. So I studied for, for a good chunk of time uh, while I was doing my postdoctoral fellowship. I validated my title and then I applied to psychiatry residency, knowing that that's where I would feel the most comfortable clinically practicing. And I got the fantastic opportunity to do my residency at Yale University. And I did a research track residency over there, which was a fantastic way of getting very good clinical training, but also with a, stay, like a strong foot on the research side of things and continue to pursue uh, this autism genetics story there. And then at that time, I, when I finished my residency, I was also faced with another crossroads, like the one that I had seen before, because I knew that I wanted to work with people on the autism spectrum. And I felt that to really do that, given that many of them are going to present very young, I really needed specific and standardized training in child and adolescent psychiatry in a place that would offer me the opportunity of interacting very closely uh, with people on the autism spectrum at those ages. So then I applied to a child and adolescent psychiatry fellowship 
Uh, and I, again, had the privilege of coming here to Brown University to do my fellowship training. And I've stayed at Brown as an assistant professor in uh, psychiatry and as an attending psychiatrist at Bradley Hospital. This was mentioned earlier in our previous podcast, but we'd recommend checking out the recent JAMA article Dr. Moreno de Luca wrote called Trains in Outer Space, The Unique Worlds Within Autism. In it, he talks about his favorite question to ask autistic children who visit him in the clinic. What's your thing? He patiently waits for the answers, learning what makes their eyes light up and their faces full of wild wonder. He has since learned about sharks and igneous rocks to even different philosophical theories and why they don't make sense and SpongeBob SquarePants. One of his things, or what makes him full of awe and curiosity, is the structure of languages. I love languages. I feel it's kind of like having a grid that you can then plug the words out and put the new words in, in that same grid. So I like the patterns in languages. And I also like where, where those patterns deviate. And I like how people think differently based on their language. I feel, for example, that in, in Iceland, there are many, many ways of referring to snow compared to English or Spanish, like for us, snow has one word, but there's actually quite a few different words in Icelandic because depending on the type of snow, that can have different implications. Like you're surrounded by snow most of the time, and then you need to be able to distinguish between slushy snow and hard snow where you can actually walk over the snow. So then the language kind of adapts to that. Uh, so as, through the language, you can get into the mindset of a different culture, which I really appreciate. This leads us to why learning different languages is important, especially in the scientific fields. It serves as a sort of gateway into exploring other cultures and understanding the stories of humans in various regions of the world. With Spanish being my native language, and with Rhode Island being a diverse state, I have a good percentage of the patients that I see who are primarily Spanish speaking. And I know that they very much appreciate having a, a physician or a clinician in their team who speaks their own language. And beyond the, just the language, who, who share some of their cultural values. And that's very important without necessarily meaning that some values are better than others. So it's not to compare them, but just to find that, that area of empathy, which I find very unique because, again, many families appreciate having that empathy and I find it very easy to build those bridges, even if many of the families that we see come from different Latin American countries with different stories and with different uh, circumstances, but we still can find that, that common ground. 
This brings us to the importance of representing individuals serving in STEM fields from different stories, backgrounds, and cultures. It not only allows medical practitioners to better empathize and advocate for their patients, but it also gives inspiration to those who aspire to pursue the field. When you see someone who shares an important aspect of your identity, it encourages you to believe that you can do it too. In my dream world, we would have people on the autism spectrum that we could talk to often when we need guidance, for example, in regards to how to better address a specific uh, issue that we're dealing with in the clinic, or we try to do that, for example, on research as well. Just when we do a study, we want to make absolutely sure that we hear the voices of the people that we're, we're enrolling there. This brings us to the importance of representing individuals serving in STEM fields from different stories, backgrounds, and cultures. It not only allows medical practitioners to better empathize and advocate for their patients, but it also gives inspiration to those who aspire to pursue the field. When you see someone who shares an important aspect of your identity, it encourages you to believe that you can do it too. Having different voices be heard is wonderful and it leads to a lot of new ideas and a lot of new advances. And many of that voices tend to come from underrepresented minorities as well, just based on, on this, the statistical definition of a minority. If you don't have different points of view, then you don't have that cross-pollination that we were talking about. So I think it's incredibly important at all levels, not only science, but also clinical care, for example, just the impact of having a physician or a doctor that looks like you or that talks your same language. It's incredibly powerful, not only for families and patients, but also for medical students or the fellows. Like We need to see more of the stories where people feel like someone like them can make it in, in the system, for example, because those unique voices really need to be heard, in, in my opinion. And I'm, of course, saying this as a minority myself, I'm, I'm Hispanic and Latin American. But I think there's such a richness that comes from bringing all of those perspectives together. Dr. Morena De Luca encourages you, yes, you, tuning in right now to tell your own story. Supporting incredible autistic individuals needs a wholesome partnership, a community of mutual understanding between both healthcare professionals and the patients that visit them. In general, based on, on my experience of working clinically with people on the autism spectrum, who, by the way, come to see us, not because they have autism, but because they have other mental health conditions that they need help with. So I know it's a skewed perspective. Uh, but I like my comment would be ask questions and, and make your voices be heard. And if you feel that people are, are not getting your story, just please uh, make sure to let them know that there's more than meets the eye. I think that the more that we work together with the autism community to emphasize these stories and to make sure that the, either clinical services or research are done in, in their best interest, 
and in partnership with clinicians and researchers, the better. So if if there's any way that you can uh, that you feel comfortable using your either your voice or your writing or any other way of your preferred communication through through your family members to share those experiences or to have advocates as your parents or caregivers to to share their concerns i think and, and their perspectives i think that would be wonderful i have a lot of respect and empathy for families of people on the autism spectrum that have very significant needs so who might need a lot of help with not only communicating but also with many of their daily activities and uh, at school so i think the perspectives of those family members who tend to be the parents but are not always so it's also really unique so just make sure to speak up and to ask questions and to try to have your voices be heard because we're we're really looking forward to hearing that we live in a world where people might not always understand our own selves or perspectives and so he explains why it's so important to keep telling your story and staying grounded in your own voice and truth It would help people supporting you like physicians to better understand, connect, diagnose, treat and take care of any concerns you might have. If you as an underrepresented minority that might be listening to to this podcast, if you feel that you can sort of share your narrative and your perspective in a way that builds on on whatever area that you're engaged with, please do. Like I I always cherish that in our team as well. I try to do that as, as a minority myself, and that's kind of what I would say about that. As we've heard in this podcast, Dr. Morena De Luca encourages us to persevere and pursue our goals, especially in different intersecting fields, like neurology and genetics. So what's your thing? What gets you up and excited about life every morning? Are you ready to work hard towards your goals and continue to tell your story? We hope you're motivated by this podcast episode. And as always, thank you so much for listening to the Autism Things podcast. Until next time, I'm your host Hannah, signing out.